So this is the real reason why you're doing the podcast in your underwear, Thomas, because you don't have any clean clothes. No, the good thing is, like, I mean, the washing machine works until you get to the spin se- section of so it drains all the water out, and it just won't do a final spin. Like, mm-hmm. pull the, like, it's like soaking wet. Yeah, so everything's soaking wet at the bottom of the thing. So I washed clothes, and then I ran them in the dryer like times to get them dry, you know? Yeah. I think uh, Sean Sine just posted a picture of you in the chat. <laughs> oh, did she? I think so. You check that out. A fan at your crotch and your in boxers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see. Is I that those are is shorts. that all in the that's, is that all in the yeah, family? That, is yeah, that what's yeah. his name? Rob that's, Reiner. That's yeah. Rob Reiner, and those are not boxers. Those are shorts that people wore back then. That's well, it's that, close enough. That was acceptable. That was acceptable attire. That's that was traditional men's shorts in the seventies. <laughs> I will say 70s. this: when I was a child, I had a very similar pair of similarly short shorts. You see a lot of pictures of me in the, the four to five year old range, in in those. Uh... It's the eighties, man. That's it. Uh... <laughs> All right, I think with that, you want to start the show. We should get going. All right, let's get this show on the road. Uh, what a cliche! All right, everybody, <laughs> welcome to Talk of Ren Riyadh, the Wheel of Time Showcast. I'm your host Joe Perry here with my co-host Jen Isgro. How you doing tonight, Jen? I'm good, Joe. Excited to get into a little bit more of our history tonight. No one's ever said that ever before, Jen. <laughs> you are the first person to say that. Yes. <laughs> and Tom, how are you doing tonight, Tom? I am incredulous. History was one of my favorite courses back in my school days, and I am also excited. Nay, say pump for us to do tonight's episode of our look back at the prehistory of the Wheel of Time books. We're doing a lot of uh, interesting, exciting things tonight. Yeah, we're. I was saying before we jumped on about. Some of the stuff I, I literally had no idea about. Some of the stuff was like totally brand new to me. Um, so doesn't that make you stoked? Doesn't that it, doesn't that pump you up? It does make me a little stoked, and I hope maybe it's brand new to some of some of our listeners, and they're gonna get some new information that they've never heard before. So, you know, that's kind of exciting, right? Yeah. Okay. Don't. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the enthusiasm, everybody. <laughs> thanks for the support, guys. I I, I can't even say I I. I momentarily ran out of words talk about how excited i am tonight for us to do the show that we are about to do for you the listening audience you were speechless tom that's the idea. the, the history is, is made you speechless it, it's it's a good thing for someone in the podcasting biz to be speechless <laughs> <laughs> i get it i get it uh, all right so but before we get into our continuation of the wheel of time history we've got just a a little bit of news this week and it's not even really i don't even know if we want to call this news but i guess we have to because it's official and it came from the wad on prime twitter account so during the reread as they have over the last couple of weeks they've given us another casting announcement man i wouldn't say casting announcement more like casting confirmation because again this was a piece of information we had gotten from the redanian intelligence article from a few weeks ago so what on prime has confirmed that darren clark is playing basil gill so exciting stuff this week everyone (laughs) all right i won't i won't won't have it go ahead you go i was just saying i saw it pop up i'm like okay here we go more castings I'm reloading, reloading, and then they're like, that's all for today. We'll see you guys next week. I'm like, oh, that's it? For real? I don't know. I was very, a little disappointed, especially since, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess 
The other ones last week we already knew. We didn't know Pasha Bokhari, so that was a little different. Yeah, but, that was um, cool that we got somebody we, we knew who was on the show, but we didn't know who he was playing. That was cool. They just like tossed us one guy that we literally had all the information for. It was a little disappointing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so I'm going I'm to be a voice of positivity here because I feel like it's too negative and we're not a negative show unless we're talking about the possibility that they're going to be shoving two full books into one season. <laughs> okay. Yes, we wanted more casting news and we didn't have it, but there's like a year probably until the show goes on. So they're going to have to tease us out a little bit. We have Basil Gill, which is one of the best minor characters in all the books. I want to hear any different from anybody. He's terrific. Um, we have Basil Gill, which confirms that Camelin will be in season one, which is still something of some doubt. I think that almost definitely confirmed Camelin. You're not it's probably not moving Basil Gill to a different town. And you know, Rendini Intelligence has been a great resource for us to like get these kind of leaks and things of that nature. So I do like, and I I think there's a positivity about the fact that yet again they're proving that their information is legit. So as frequent mm-hmm. release come in, we don't have to have doubt like, oh, maybe this isn't true. Maybe this isn't true. Every time they release something, it is confirmed to be true. So I think that that gives us more hope in the future. There's my burst of positivity. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question about this. And uh, maybe, John, you you want to answer this one. Whoever's behind this Watt on Prime book read and the casting announcements that we're getting, what do you think they're thinking when they're putting these out? And I guess what I'm getting at is like, are they purposely just giving us people that we already kind of knew? Or it seems other- like they are because it's not there's no other rhyme or reason to it. They're not up to Camelin yet. So they had Min. It was they were up to like the Min scene, I think, right? So everyone was probably like on the edge of their seats waiting for Min and that didn't happen. So I don't know. I guess I guess we'll have to see. I'm trying to think of who else do we have from Redanian intelligence or who else have we had out there? Hel- we have Helena Westerman and She was uh, from the Redanian intelligence, I believe. Yeah. And then we have Young Swan. Who I think a lot of people are speculating she's not she's season two casting maybe right, that's so that's true. why we're not going to get her. I mean, or, Helena, or, and, and I'm sorry, go ahead. Helena Westerman is like she wasn't in that. Was she? Oh, she was in that video actually, right? Oh, she's at the table read. She's yeah. at the table read. She's like in that. Somebody brought this up last week or or somewhere that she's in that like birthday Zoom that they did for somebody at one point. For, I think it was yeah, it was for Marcus. Marcus. Rutter. Yeah, she was so there. So she's like. Definitely in the beginning of the season, she was like there a lot and friendly with everyone. There were, yeah, and there were a lot of pictures of her on Instagram with like um, with Madeline Madden and and uh, Zoe Robbins yeah. and like when they were in Prague. So like they became friendly. Yeah. So I don't know if they're just holding off on her because of the, who she's the, playing. <laughs> yeah. Like if that's really like how everyone hates that storyline. If maybe that's why they're holding yeah. off on it because we feel but, like if they say that, it's going to confirm it, but it doesn't necessarily. I don't think. I think it's good as conf- if the Redania intelligence. Everything they've given us so far has been true. So they I gave doubt us that, that, that all that they didn't give us that. Yeah, yeah, she was. That was from a Redania no. intelligence article. Not the storyline wasn't that. Oh leak no, of no, that's the storyline. Story so she could be playing oh, Leila no. Ibarra, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. Spoiler alert, or maybe he's going to kill yeah. her. You know, we don't know. So that I kind of sure. feel. I don't know if I should feel a little angry at what on Prime because if they are just giving us these people because they were already leaked. And they're just saying, ah, they already leaked them. Let's just give them to them instead of giving us some real, like, good stuff. So, like, if these castings were not leaked, would we have gotten anything from Watt on Prime? Yeah, I don't know. We hadn't gotten anything for a while. Did they no. give us, have they given us anything new, like, since they started releasing characters again? Um, yeah. 
think it was think I think Well Pasha Bakari was never like posted. He like posted on Twitter himself right, that he was on right. it. So we didn't know any we just knew he was on the show. We had no idea who but was playing. But they know what we know. <laughs> I guess. Do you think there's somebody like like snooping around, like following what we're talking about or what Sarah? we're posting? <laughs> She doesn't she have to that, be snooping well, I don't, around. I, don't, I wouldn't say she's snooping around, but she's on Twitter and she's like speaking with people and she's, it might not be her, but she at least could know about it. It's very yeah. easy for her to know what we know. That's true. Not that, she, you know, I not think, that it's you know, a bad thing. It's just, she's on Twitter. Well, you know, Rafe, Rafe, of course, is listening. Well, Rafe yeah, does watch well, Rafe the listens. Dusty Wheel. He's, he's admitted he watches the Dusty Wheel, so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> admitted if he it. Watch- who would Rafe, admit that? He, no. he admitted it. Every, no. Everyone watches the Dusty Wheel. Um, so, um, people are saying in chat, Sen Bui was was announced by them that we didn't know. Steve, oh, yes, that's Sen true. Bui. Right? No. Okay. Uh, oh, and uh, no, Steve was. No, like, no, oh, I know. No. Uh, but Sen Bui was. Days Conger, but no. Yeah. Um, Days Conger, we got before Wild yeah. on Prime announced it. Yeah. I think Sen that, Bui, I think, was the one that we didn't that I, they pulled themselves. I think that they basically said, "Hey, like." They might have like, okay, we're gonna release this at this point. They may have like pinpointed like, okay, we're gonna release like a big role, a big character, you know, every month or every six weeks or whatever, whatever, whatever. And that will just introduce people randomly as things go on. But someone's out there like spoiled that isn't released. It only makes sense for them to make that the next week. Like eventually, you're gonna be disappointed by getting that that name released. They might as well do it as quickly as possible. So should we stop? Should we ask? These uh, these media outlets to stop spoiling stuff so we can get something from Wild on Prime that wasn't already released by them. Sure, <laughs> then, they'll, they'll, then them. they'll be forced. <laughs> then they'll be forced to uh, release something new. Uh, try uh, shoot them over an email. Please stop I'll, breaking I'll, news. I'll uh, email the Red Danian Intelligence okay. to tell them to stop. And what are we gonna do? Like once a no. month, we're not gonna have anything <laughs> well, to talk about. I mean, um, presumably when they presumably when they start filming again, we're probably gonna get some more information just from like people sneaking up, taking pictures on the set, and things like that, or seeing actors, you know, with other actors. I um, long for the days where you get to try and pronounce names from Czech Republic, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cities and uh, locations and parks and things like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, those days are gone. Well, not not forever though. What gone? They're coming There's back. Fourteen any week more now. seasons <laughs> coming. No. <laughs> fourteen more seasons. <laughs> One can only hope. Yes. We're All looking right. at we're looking at a good seven to ten season show. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it'll be interesting as they start getting up there when they start like digging themselves into corners. I That's want, what's going to happen. That's what I happens my- with all these shows. Our youngest, ki- uh, well, not Tom, but me and Joe's youngest kids be. Graduating from high school when the show's over. That's it. Ten years. Oh, wow. Ten, yeah, 12 years yeah. from now. That's it. <laughs> Your kids are old enough that in 10 years they're going to graduate from high school? Well, she's six, so in 10, they're 12 years. Seven. So in six, unless they're very intelligent. <laughs> no, in 10 years. Ten, 10, 12 years. To be sophomore. Twel- my daughter, my daughter's years. seven. She'll be 17, so she'll be a junior. 18. Probably She'll be going into a senior year. All right, well, let's get well, enough about that. Let's get... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's get into our our history lesson that Tom is so excited for and everyone else here is so excited for. It's an <laughs> exciting thing to do. That's right. <laughs> so when we, we left, we, I can't even speak. <laughs> we last left off at the end of the breaking of the world. We got through all the madness. We got through the, well, actually, we're going to talk about some more war. There's always going to be war to talk about here. But we've got, we passed the madness. 
Um, I think we said that once the, la the last male Aes Sedai, um, the world started to settle back into normalcy, and, and that was kind of considered the end of the breaking of the world. At this point, civilization is reduced to a primitive level, and there's only few groups uh, that were able to maintain their previous cultures and traditions. So all hell's broken loose. We've got landscape changed. We've got cities destroyed. People aren't really living in cities anymore. It's kind of a nomadic uh, civilization going on right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about the formation of the White Tower. So there's a lot of this was like almost all new to me. I, I had no idea a lot of the history about the White Tower. So I mean, unless other people do, this is probably new to a lot of people. So the Aes Sedai, who are now all female, their numbers, of course, were severely reduced after the breaking, and they were scattered all across the land. So they kind of kept to their traditions and their previous roles in small groups and sometimes individuals. So you'd have a group of Aes Sedai, a few Aes Sedai here, a group of few Aes Sedai there, maybe just one Aes Sedai alone. They, you know, they continued on, though, with their Aes Sedai traditions, right? They, kept, they continued on recruiting, they continued on training, and they continued on hunting down male channelers. You kind of feel like the red, the red Aja was probably like the first Aja, or like modern day, I'm saying with quotes because it's not really modern, but the first modern day Aja. So I'm going to pull a quote here from the, the big white book. Ooh. Yeah, the increasingly violent nature of the times from the drilling of the boar to the beginning of the war of the shadow, the war itself, and finally the centuries of the breaking suggest that no eyes to die alive at the end of the breaking had survived that entire span or even a significant portion of it. The one possible exception may mm. be the Aes Sedai who were involved in the building of Ruidian in the Aiel Waste. So I have a question that I want to ask because this particular line caught my attention. And I wanted to ask you guys about the theories about time distortion in Ruidian. Um, you know, we know when Rand and Matt go through into Ruidian and I know Matt goes through the door frame and Rand goes through the um, the crystal columns. And, you know, to them, they're only gone for like a day, but it's really seven days that passed. You know, and there's theories about Nakomi, <laughs> as Matt's pointing out, I wanted to talk about um, in the chat. So I don't know if we ever get specifically into just the general Ruidian itself. So do we know if the time just if so we know there's some sort of time distortion. Is it localized to... Okay, so hold on a sec. Let me, let me take gather a step back. Thoughts. Gather your thoughts. Gather your thoughts. I have, like, I have like 10 thoughts in my head and I'm trying to get them all at once. <laughs> so we know we have the door frame, which of course we know has time distortion in the, in the uh, Alfin and Ilfin, the Finland. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's put that aside. Okay. Now, Ren goes through the columns. So now the, that Tyrangrial could have its own time distortion. Or is there a general time distortion within the clouded city of Ruidian? My thoughts on this, uh, these are my thoughts when I first read the books, and nothing that I've read subsequent to that has made me think any different, that those time distortions are the result of the experiences that Rand and Matt had when they entered Ruidian, not a result of Ruidian itself. Uh, to wit, when Rand goes back to Ruidian later on in the book to fight with Osmodian, there's no time distortion. But the what's it called? The smoke has lifted by then. Yeah, but the, the cloud, the fog. I almost feel like the fog is kind of is some is, some it, indication it, of it, the uh... possible. I guess I, I just I feel like that's like looking for something that, that doesn't need to be there. It's very clear that like, they both go through things that alter. Like one goes to a different dimension, the other one goes into something that alters his sense of reality to make him experience different lives. To me, the, that those things are enough of an explanation to explain why they they lost track of time. 
But I don't know. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying that's what I always thought. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to get into Nakomi too deep, but this could be one of the exp- like an explanation. I know I've heard people talk about it that uh, you know she probably could have been somebody, an Aes Sedai maybe, who was trapped in Meridian in the time distortion. Then, if this is true, and that's the only reason this this line caught my attention was because of some of these theories that people have talked about. So she's just so, been like wandering around the last couple of years, just wandering around the waste since the fog lifted. Well, no, the fog only lifted. Oh, well, it was only like a year later. Okay, so she's been wandering around the ways for a year. That's that's the like you mentioned this uh, to me a little while ago. I've never really heard any of these like Nikomi is an Aes Sedai from three thousand years ago. So I'm 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 asking for more details on it. I'm not trying to dismiss that. I'm just asking like that is that the that's the well you the, should the watch um, watch the Dusty Will Nikomi uh, video. He they go through like all the main theories and talk about them in pretty much in depth. So go, right, go watch will, that, people. If you have questions about Nikomi, I will and you do too, it. Tom. I will do. It. There's a short, like a like a ten minute primer video right before it for it too. So if you want to watch that, too. I'll watch the whole thing. It's just that his show is on. I'm usually busy, unfortunately. <laughs> You're busy with your own show. I'm busy doing another show. <laughs> I, I don't get to watch um, the live show. No, I just wanted to bring that up because I saw that line in the book and it, it caught my attention because of this. So just an interesting thought. So there's one possible exception, right? Otherwise, no eyes to die are said to have lived through the entire breaking or even a large portion of it. So let's. Okay. Just just to set the stage now of the after breaking. Things are not good. Yeah. So more evidence to support that all these pre-breaking Aes Sedai were gone is the loss of the many talents and weaves that we experience in the books, right? We we always hear about these lost lost talents and lost weaves. And that's kind of another key indicator that most of these Aes Sedai died during the breaking at some point. So in 47 AB, which stands for after breaking. Uh, multiple Aes Sedai groups met and decided to build a new city as a center of their power, but it was not until 98 AD that the city was built on the island of Tarvalon, or Tarvalon, however you prefer to say it. Like Avalon. Uh, yeah. yeah, Tarvalon. I'll go so back the, to my original pronunciation of it. The Tarvalon. Break, the breaking, the year started, AB, from when the last male channeler died. Or yeah, was... there was actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because there was like a whole note about the Toman calendar, which is the calendar that they started using. I, I didn't really pull down any notes on that. I didn't think anybody wanted to hear notes about calendars. So <laughs> I, um, I was just I curious. I definitely need to get my nerd on. I don't, I do want to do an episode <laughs> just on the calendars and the time, <laughs> like you know, the way they track time in, in the Wheel of Time world. But that's not for this episode. No, that's, yeah, that's. That'll be a bonus episode for those. <laughs> yeah, for, for the one person who wants to hear it. Oh man, yeah. So, all right. So they decide to build the city on the island of Tarvalon, and thus name it the same as the island. They enlisted the Ogier to build the city and provide free reign on how much. Um, sorry, provide free reign on much of the building designs. The entire island was walled. And both North Harbor and South Harbor were built at the same time, though not by the Ogier or Ogier or whatever we've decided on. I forgot already. Yeah. It took 104 <laughs> years of uninterrupted construction to build Tarvalon, which is believed to be the first major city built after the breaking. But the White Tower itself was not constructed for another 100 years later. So we've got a lot of dates and timelines in there. So we've got a while, though, before the actual White Tower is built. So in 98 AB, before, before Tower of Allen was finished and the White Tower was built, the first Amalin seat was said to be Elisane Tishar, and a hall of the tower had been chosen 
but a council of seven was recorded as closely advising the Amarlin seat. It is suspected that these seven women are the genesis of the modern-day Ajahs. And this is before the tower is even technically built. There's an Amarlin. So the Amarlin comes before the tower. At this time, the decision was made to begin consolidating the Aes Sedai. Between 50 AB and 100 AB, there was an extremely vigorous campaign against women pretending to be Aes Sedai carried out. There is evidence that many of these women were forced to kneel to the Amarlin seat and the White Tower, and at least some were stilled, and a large number joined the tower and were thereafter accepted as Aes Sedai. The, the, uh, the first instances of kneeler being out. That's yeah. right. Oh, look at that. So you, some could say this is a little poetic justice, right, when it happens yeah. to them? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a wheel, baby. The wheel always comes back around. <laughs> cool. So the White Tower itself was designed by Aes Sedai and created by the Ogier um, with the aid of the Aes Sedai using the One Power. There was a great description in the White Book, so I'm just going to read it and quote right from it because it was such a great description, and to paraphrase it would do it no justice. So here we go. The main tower of the building is constructed entirely of white stone and towers 500 feet above the ground. It is 300 feet across at the base, making it the largest structure erected since the Age of Legends. Slightly wider at the base than at the top, the tower was designed to house the Ajahs in the top half, each within its own pie-shaped section, while leaving the wider bottom half to general purpose. A smaller palace-like structure attached to the back of the main tower was intended for novices and accepted, while a large building behind the tower and palace was to function as a library. The front of the tower faced a great public square, which emphasized the deep, broad steps and massive doors to the main entrance. A stone wall, broken occasionally by columns and rails, enclosed the perimeter of the grounds. The square was bordered by various public buildings, many of which were not ogre-built, but ogre-designed to seem animated by life and vitality that belied the stone of their construction. So that's a pretty comprehensive uh, yeah. description of the White Tower. And I'm trying to... This doesn't really say if it's round or if it's square, right? If it's pie-shaped, it's... Yeah. The edges, it's round. Well, it says the top half is pie-shaped. Yes. So I wonder if the bottom is, uh, is square the and then it goes to... The round. Yeah. Um, so then I, I guess yeah. the picture that they put in that same... So in the big white book, there's a picture of the White Tower, and it's square. It's not... <laughs> it's the, so I guess they didn't really follow the uh, the description they put here. I mean, it's here. pie inside, and then there's like extra, there's like corners with empty space on the outside of the pie. Yeah. To make it square. <laughs> I don't know. So I have a question. The Amarlin seats quarters is all the way at the top, correct? Um, I don't remember. Oh, okay. That's the, what I read. The Amarlin study? Oh, it's yeah, at the like top, her... at the very top? Yeah. Well, it so seems I like was... the Aes Sedai, yeah, they live up towards the top. Yeah. The bottom is like general use. Top is where uh, Aes Sedai quarters. And then I think they set a separate area towards the back for the novices and accepted. Yeah, that's like a, when you when you get a room at a nice hotel, but it's like in a, in a separate building from the actual main hotel. That's what I picture it like. Like uh, the water club? With the water, the water club <laughs> yeah. and the Borgata? Well, not the, well, the water club's also nice, but like, uh, like um, in Disney World, in the contemporary, there's like smaller outside hotel rooms in the back. That's what I picture. Like, oh, you're staying at the Contemporary, but not really. So, but anyway, I was going to... The Contemporary? The Contemporary. One of the big hotels in Disney World. It's one of the main hotels in Disney World. Oh, okay. But anyway, how is it... Do they have to, like, walk up a flight of stairs, like, 500 feet in the air to get to her? 
Yeah, there's no mention there. of elevators or escalators. Yeah. So I was, uh, my question that I wrote <laughs> down is: Is there an elevator in the White Tower? And they can't travel at this point yet, right? So now they all have strong legs. Yeah, they're gonna have to hike it up there. Yeah, it's not like day, like today where everybody's lazy and <laughs> overweight. So that's also true. You couldn't be overweight in this time because there was so much steps. There was so many steps. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many steps in the in Randland that nobody nobody was overweight ever. That's how they stay young looking. It's it's all the Every, steps. Yeah, everybody was well all the exercised. Exercise. <laughs> the calves are good. Um, That's why so, there were so many well-turned calves. Exactly, Tom. <laughs> Dana's mentioning in the chat that uh, Elida moves the Avalon's office to the top. That previously oh. it was in the general areas, which makes more sense. Like the, the, the Avalon study should be near the hall, which should all be at the general area section of the tower okay. and not... Right, so uh, I think she moves it to the top to be more elitist. All right, I read well, this in she my also have studying. A of... Didn't she? Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I said I read that in like my studying of the building of the White Tower. So I guess that was incorrect information. Oh, it's well, correct. Well, no, it is correct by the end of the books. Well, also the Amelin study is different from where the Amelin sleeps. I imagine, right? Does she? Does she like? Is her chambers right off her study, or is her oh, study I don't know. like That's on a separate I just floor? Assumed everything was together. Right, and then Alita's building like a palace on like the separate on the tower grounds for herself. Like, oh my god! Well, that to me that always to me that is eventually where the Black Tower. Like that's what that she's building uh, a tower next to the White Tower that's supposed to be its equal. Like to so, me that was always foreshadowing that eventually the Ashaman are going to be there. I'm going to go off topic then, I guess, and yeah, we <laughs> just go completely off the rails. We're going to go off topic because you you brought it up, Tom. So post you know Wheel of Time, the a Memory of Light. Right? Is the Black Tower, are they going to combine with the White Tower and be no. just Aes Sedai? They're not going to be separate? Not anytime soon. You don't think? You don't think they're going to? No, but I think they're well, going to. Not, a, not right away, but at some point, they have to unite and just become all Aes Sedai again, not female I, and male channelers. Yeah, I think that's eventually what's going to happen, but I do think they're going to be a separate organization. To me, the fact that like there's a tower being built right next to the White Tower that's designed to be its equal is just, well, who else is going to go there? Yeah, but how far into the building did they get, though, with that? I mean, uh, they started building. The foundations were already set, I think. I don't remember. But I, this is not part of my research for tonight. <laughs> no, no, I know. We're just spitballing here. but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, 500 years from now, they'll be ready. Okay. Yeah, By time. that time, they might they might be together. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> no getting more back, mass hysteria. Getting back to mass hysteria. So, so they built the tower, Joe. What's next? <laughs> Well, that's the end of really the tower. Well, that's not the end of the tower. That's that's the end of like the formation of the White Tower. They formed. That's the formation of the White Tower. Right. And like, so is it during this time that the Ajaz, as we know, they really started to like set in stone, right? Because we talked about a lot the last uh, episode that you know even during the breaking, right? The Ajaz were still really used more like uh, their you know their historical use during the during the. Uh, in the Age of Legends, where they were just like groups of people who were put together to get a project done. Is it during the, the foundation of the tower, or is it afterwards that really like the Ajahn well, we could know them? It's funny that you brought this up because there was some talk about Aja lowercase verse uh, a versus Aja uppercase a, and the difference with them. And I kind of ignored that information um, because I didn't that's think awesome. it was that interesting. But um, that's awesome. <laughs> I used my judgment <laughs> and said, eh, no one wants to hear about lowercase Aja versus uh, uppercase Aja. No, but it did say that 
there were Aja's. There was like writings with the lowercase letter Aja, and it seemed to be more of like just like a general group. It didn't. There wasn't like really a focus goal of say you know this group is you know focuses on healing and this group. It was more just they just used it more of like this is a group of Aes Sedai who are like minded. And it wasn't until yeah the formation of the White Tower and Tarvalon or Tarvalon that the uppercase A Aja was really came to fruition and that was by these seven council members who were supposedly the origins of that so all right yeah so moving right along we've got about 200 years post breaking now so this is we've got the white tower already formed this is probably this is probably around the con- the completion of the white the actual physical structure of the white tower built so eventually at this point nations begin to form for the most part the shadow spawn have retreated to the blight but some, with the aid of dark friends, still managed to harass people of those nations. So in 2000, oh, sorry, 209 AB, the Compact of Ten Nations was formed. Uh, it was largely the work of Queen Mabrian of Aramile, reported to be Aes Sedai, so it is likely that the White Tower played a large role in, this cre- in the creation of this compact. So we kind of touched a little bit on this when we went into our uh, Two Rivers episode. But I'm just going to kind of expand on the generality of the history and not focus so much on Manetherin. All of the rulers of the Ten Nations signed the compact, hence the Compact of the Ten Nations. Uh, It lasted for roughly 800 years and provided each nation with protection from the remaining forces of the shadow. So during this time, nations flourished, and there was a hope that they could one day return to the glories of the Age of Legends. So we're kind of getting back to, this is like the Roaring Twenties, I imagine. (laughs) <laughs> where things are going good, everybody's happy, the, the alcohol's flowing, it was just, oh, before Prohibition, and everyone's trying to get back to the good old days. But something happens. Well, prohibition? Not for a while. No, worse than Prohibition. Well, close, almost worse than Prohibition. Almost worse. Trollocs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good side debate. Would you rather yeah. have Trollocs in the world? Or, or no alcohol. have alcohol be outlawed by all governments? Question for our fans and social media question. <laughs> That's a tough one. All right. So, yeah, send us your feedback on that one, everybody. I'm seeing um, a lot of Trollocs in there. Uh, I take the Trollocs in the sack. <laughs> a lot of people are taking the Trollocs. Uh, at least you could be drunk when you face the Trollocs, right? So, yeah. around, so around uh, 1000 AB, Trollocs suddenly roared south of the Blight in large numbers to begin a series of wars that would shatter the compact. These wars, known as the Trolloc Wars, spanned approximately 350 years and spread destruction across most of the continent. No. So, three, so we should add on to this. So 300 years of Trollocs or 300 years of no alcohol? <laughs> well, All right, that, that's a different story, right? That's a, that is a different And imagine, story. imagine you're a channeler who you're lives 350 though. years. So you can't just say, oh, well, I'm only going to be alive for like 70 years. So that's not so bad. No, I'm talking, and you're right, you're, you need to be, I don't know if there's a, is there an age restriction for drinking, you think, in, uh, in the Ten you, Nations? If there's, if there's Trollocs around, you know, eating, eating your family, no, there ain't no age restriction. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, what's his face from uh, Roger Rabbit? Oh, he comes up again, huh? Didn't I reference him last week? <laughs> you did yeah. reference him last <laughs> week. Yeah, uh, this is two weeks of a baby Herman in a row. Oh, man. Let's see how many weeks right, in so a we, row we can do it. Yeah, so we've got 350 years of Trolloc raids and wars. So um, so it starts off with increased raids on Jaram, Jaramide and Aramayel. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right, but uh, which are the present-day borderlands. 
So eventually the city of Barasin in Jaramid was destroyed. So we've got Aes Sedai and the Ten Nations were unable to contain this threat. And then eventually the city of Mafal de Darnal is destroyed, which is in Aramayal. And then eventually Aramayal was destroyed, although Jaramid managed to survive. And we've got, at this point, those are the borderland areas. So the Shadowspawn are able to sweep now into the kingdoms further south. So the reason for these for uh, this sudden attacks is not historically documented anywhere, but uh, from our Ishamael episode, we kind of get the impression that this is this is around the time that Ishamael returns. He manifests back into the world, rematerializes, and we think that basically he's the one behind the the Trolloc Wars for inciting these wars. Yes. You guys have any thoughts? I know we talked about this a little bit in our Ishamael episode, but I think it's pretty safe to say, right? Anyone think otherwise? No, I have a question, though, about what they're doing in the Blight, the Shadow Spawn, for a thousand years. Um, probably just, you know. <laughs> it's a long time to be yeah. just like. Dr- drinking? Alcohol? Hanging out? Doing, Are they like. Doing it? Do they have well, like. Yeah, procreating, probably building up forces. For a thousand years? All right. So they're not just. I imagine there's raids going on, right? You'll see small trollic bands will try yeah, to come into the borderland. So there's, it's not like they're totally gone. And I figure like, so let's liken this to, and I, I know we, we're going to go into this again. We always bring this up. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire, because I'm going to go towards, more towards the books, right? You've got the wildlings north of the wall, right? And the wildlings are very disorganized. They're not centralized. You've got like different tribes and groups of wildlings. And because of that, they're very weak, right? So when they try to raid across the wall or whatever, they get oh. fought back. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Right. Sorry. Fought off. They get fought off. They get fought off very easily. So my theory is, or I'm thinking is what happens is the Shamael returns and kind of unites them, unites all the Shadow Spawn, right? Because we know there's different Trolloc bands. There's the, the Golam and right. the, oh God, I can't remember all Demon. of them. Demon. I don't know. The Demon and the Dav, <laughs> the, the, the Davil. Davil. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm so just, I'm I mean, assuming, like, the, uh, yeah. the wildlings are people. So while they're doing... While they're being disorganized, they're still living, like, as human beings. This is like... Well, Trollocs live as Trollocs. But they don't... I don't know. Uh, whatever. They, it's, okay. it's, they're monsters. Couple, yeah, but they still live. They eat. They yeah, they're, part, they're, human, they're humanoid. So they could talk in they're their human-ish. own language to each other? Yes. Some Trollocs talk, right? Not all Trollocs, I think, we learn, can speak. Yeah. So yeah, so I imagine Ashamael comes back and he probably unites all of the Trollocs and says, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, listen to me. Right. I'm Ashamael, and we're gonna we're gonna start, you know, we're gonna start a war and unite and you know come with some sort of semi-organized attack against the Ten Nations." All right. I also want to like, while the blight is north of of the Ten Nations, it's also you know touching other areas of the world. There is possibility like that the Trollocs are. They're doing raids in the borderlands, and they're also finding out, gee, we don't want to go into the Daeo waste. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there were. I'm right. sure there were some raids into the waste. Yeah, yeah. It could be like they could just be focused other areas. Like you really don't get a sense of what they're doing from their point of view at all. So maybe they're focused somewhere else. Maybe they're trying to build parts of the blight out that they could have trollic societies out. And to Joe's point too, like. They're probably fighting with each other as much as fighting with anybody else because they, that is, they, they, they uh, I'm sorry, Moss put something up that is <laughs> so horrifying in our thread. 
I <laughs> I literally can't even speak. Uh, All right, so I'll <laughs> I can take, I can take it, take it, Joe. I'll take it. I'm not picking up where you left off. I was just thinking of the Barside Chats podcast. They were talking about spinoffs. Oh, I was just and how about that. a trollic? How about a trollic <laughs> spinoff? <laughs> oh, Following the trollics around and seeing what the trollics do. Yes. Um. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm thinking it's like, like um, oh god, what's that robot chicken thing? The guy in the bar. He's like the guy from Star. The robot chicken Star Wars, where the guy. That he chops his arm off in the bar in the first Star Wars. He's like an architect. Right, he's an architect, yeah. And he's, yeah. Like, and he's trying to like break up the fight and then he gets his arm chopped off. That's actually, I'm, that's, that is what I was thinking of, but I was thinking of something else too, but forget it. I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> Let's keep going. I, think, I was thinking of, wait, I'm going to say it. I was thinking of the other one where, uh, is it Boba Fett's mom leaving a message on his machine? Yes. It's like flies around his garbage. She's like, you haven't called me. (laughs) Wow. It's just like you get it. It's like a glimpse. My point was it's a glimpse into like the villains and it makes them, makes you be on their side. That's why I thought of that. Like if you were following Trollocs around and then you felt bad for them when they died. That's all. I want, I want Virgil in charge, like Charles in charge. There's one (laughs) Virgil who has to like, oversee help like trollic parents oversee a horde of ch- trollic children that are unruly <laughs> that's the, and that's... That is is the merge all played by scott Bayo? <laughs> i don't know <laughs> he's not doing much maybe but he yeah he kind of looks he kind of looks like a merge all right <laughs> he doesn't have hair right the way i picture a merge all like, is very scott Bayo esque yeah no like now like i'm not even talking i'm not talking about like when he was on charles and charles like charles uh yeah, yeah. scott Bayo now it's just like imagine like without eyes uh, he's compa- he definitely could be a merger. I don't even know what Scott Bayo looks like now. Um, he looks like Scott Bayo, just older. <laughs> it just looks like an older version of himself, really. <laughs> All right. So this All is, right. So back. And you didn't think that we were going to have fun tonight, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So back to the Trolloc Wars. So while the invasion was mostly made up of Trollocs, hence the name Trolloc Wars, other Shadowspawn and Dark Friends did participate in this war. The forces were led by dreadlords, who are most often women, who are believed to be renegade Aes Sedai. Uh, this is around the same time that the Black Aja were formed. Remember mm-hmm. that. Remember that, everybody. We talked about that in the past. Check out that episode. <laughs> Remember that. It's all full circle, everybody. This is all, it's, it's all a wheel. It comes full circle all the time. Just remember that. So we've had we have the Trolloc as the foot soldiers. Most of the Trollocs are melee, hand-to-hand combats. There weren't really many, you know, Trolloc bowmen, but there were some. Uh, we've got the Mergewall driving them. And then the other Shadow Spawn were mostly used as assassination type troops. So we've got our Drakkar, our Grey Man, our uh, Dark Hounds, Gollum. Those are used more of assassination troops, not so much the uh, army proper. So at this point, though, the compact is working, right? The, the nations rally to support each other in the war effort. But the problem is they insist on each keeping their own separate armed forces, which ultimately weakens their position. So the White Tower also contributes in these wars by supplying Aes Sedai to combat the Dreadlords. So you find yourself basically like every army or nation would have a few Aes Sedai with them to help, um, to help support them in their fighting. But the Trollocs are too many. Their forces far outnumber the nations, and it becomes impossible to stand up to such numbers. So new tactics are developed by the nations to combat the Trolloc armies that were often successful, 
but not without taking heavy casualties. So after a while, it just kind of taxes the 10 nations while, while they can win some of these battles. They're just taking tremendous casualties and the, and the Trolloc forces, the numbers are just too, too enormous for them to uh, continue. So each nation was at the mercy of their allies for support and some held their responsibilities with honor. But unfortunately, we talked about this in our Two Rivers episode, the nation of Manetherin, they were hung out to try and left to fend for themselves. So if anyone wants to hear more about Manetherin, go check out episode 36 of our podcast. We go into a lot more detail about that. And then we've got other nations such as Hall, which is present-day Shadar Logoth fell from within. And if you want more information on that, boom, go check out episode 17 of our podcast because we talk more about that there. So after almost 300 years of fighting, the Trolloc armies were finally defeated and driven back into the blight at the Battle of Magande. And I think I pronounced that right. So many nations were left destroyed and the population was drastically reduced. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pull another quote here from the uh, Big White Book. Within 50 years of the Trolloc Wars, new nations appeared hammered together from the wreckage of ruined lands. The century immediately following the war was one of great turmoil. The five nations that outlived the wars fell to their own internal weaknesses as the new nations struggled to establish firm borders. Only Tarvalon and the White Tower of Aes Sedai remained whole. Indeed, the White Tower actually gained lands and influence. Uh. Yes. So the White Tower benefits from the Trolloc Wars in the end. <laughs> <laughs> There's a conversation going on in chat while we're recording this. Talking about, you know, why exactly, like, why is the text so slow to pick up? It's been 3,000 years, even with these knockbacks, etc. So I think you hit on something again, which we talked about when we talked about the breaking episode. I think that, like, so much of the population is just gone by the end of the Trolloc Wars. So it's not just that nations fall, uh, which is bad enough that they don't have any kind of infrastructure, leadership, things of that nature. But, like, just huge chunks of, of the population are no longer alive. And this, you know, just by the laws of randomness, are like the the intellects, the the people who have knowledge. All the knowledge of the Age of Legends is gone. All of those people have died. Even before that, people in the Age of Legends didn't know how to actually build things. They knew how to build things that built things, right? So like every time this happens, you have to restart ID from like an agrarian point of view again, where it's just like, okay, does anyone know how to farm? Can we make food? Does anyone remember how to do that? Like, that's like where you're at at the end of all these wars. There's nothing. It's not just like, oh, that was a huge war. All of our soldiers died. Like that was a huge war. Everybody died. Like it's the equivalent of like, I don't even know, like nuclear war without radiation poisoning. Right. It's just massive swaths of the population are eaten or murdered. So like there's no it's not a rebuild like, oh, let's pick up the pieces. It's like a rebuild like. Does anyone know how to pick up the pieces? So we have to start there. And there's nobody to even ask that question because of the 10 countries that were, that were around, five of them don't even exist. There's nobody to even ask the people around, hey, do you know what to do? And, and the ones that do exist are so like overcome with like people trying to seize opportunities to make power for themselves that they fall into a disarray soon after. right? So that is Ishmael's plan. Like that is the purpose of the Trolloc. I know like we, when we talked about his episode, we talked about how he's so ineffectual in the books, which, you know, he has a bad plan. He has a bad, he has a bad play. But everything that he's done, like everything he's touched prior to that has been gold for like 
thousands of years. Every plan mm-hmm. he's he's put into play has worked unbelievably successfully. Putting this, yeah, which kind of makes you think about his whole plan for the. Okay, I'm not going to get into that again. The eye of the world plan, but <laughs> well, whatever, <we'll> <laughs> you know his his stupid plan. But yeah, you're he right, and crazy. and I think what we and I think you know we right in the beginning we talked about it where there was no Aes Sedai who lived through the entire breaking or even a large portion of it. So most of this knowledge is lost because the people who had the knowledge or died, you got records and any kind of technology that's stored, any kinds of information is destroyed and leveled. So that's gone. The people are dying. And even the people who maybe do retain some of the knowledge, there's, it's hard to pass that on because there's, there's no cities, there's no real large uh, communities. It's, uh, people are just struggling to survive and it's small nomadic groups of people. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, they always talk about this, like nowadays, like if there were, and I guess you see this in kind of like those post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic kind of, I can't say the word, um, <laughs> television shows or movies or books. It's, it's when, you know, events like that happen, cataclysmic events happen, right? You don't need accountants. You don't need, uh, you know, somebody who can write programming. You need, yeah. you need plumbers, you need electricians, you need carpenters you need you need people who you know who know have basic skills and i'm not saying basic i'm not trying to but like you know those fundamental skills to rebuild society and and i i think that's what people are focused on at this time they're not thinking about like oh i need to create you know a triangle machine a joe car or you know a show wing where they're just like no we need to freaking grow food so we can live and we need to build houses so we can be sheltered Right. And again, right, the, the more society builds itself up, the less members of society know how to do those things. Yeah. Right? And Dusty Will's pointing out in chat is there's no, you can't do circles anymore, right? Because a lot of these creations of the Age of Legend were done with men and women working together in circles. Right. And you don't have that anymore either. So that's, that's another huge handicap. Right. And, and while the White Tower is a force of stability, right, and a force of, you know, a force to fight against the forces of darkness, which it does to a greater or lesser extent over the course of the Third Age, monopolizing and pulling all of the people who have a special ability to help society into one area and making them elite and making them remote and distant impacts societies. Yeah, and they're doing it on their terms. It's like doing we're doing yeah. Right. You don't have that in towns and in places and 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 you don't have that Eventually, you you ruin the the sense of experimentation, the sense of, of growth, even within there, because the White Tower becomes structured and so dedicated to its own, you know, uh, philosophies and its own, you know, structures, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important. It needed to happen, I think, because society needed stability, and it's the only thing that is stable in the Third Age. But it also impacts society's growth, and to to pull, pardon me, these gifted people away from the general populace yeah yeah there's a lot going on here i mean and it's like i guess the white towers formation also is like a, it's like prime pickings when they form right there's the everybody's so vulnerable at this point in time so you've got channelers organizing and it's it's very easy for them to grab control and take control of what they can and then you've got the trollic wars that happens after that and everybody's even more vulnerable now because you've got the nations that formed you know the strong nations that formed collapsing and then Again, the White Tower is there to kind of pick up the pieces and, I guess, reform or rebuild these nations, being part of that and and doing it in kind of their own, in their own shape. Right. You know, they offer them a hand, but there's an arm attached. So. Ooh. 
I like that. That's yeah. Typical, typical. Well, you know, we see that in the books, right? This is the Aes Sedai. Right. That's how they were. So, and that's why people are distrusting of them. And that's why, you know, Rand is distrusting of them and Matt and Perrin and everybody really. So. Right. That's all I have to say about that. Uh. <laughs> Jen, did you have any questions? No, I've asked all my questions. I'm trying, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this question, but I can't think like, do you think that the fact that the Black Aja had started and was kind of in the tower now was one of the reasons why why Tarvalon was one of the only places to not fall. Ooh, oh. just, ooh that's oh, good. I like Jen. That. That's really good. I, that's a good yeah. I yes. Now you 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 asking that question has convinced me that that is true. Right, because they're they're north. Tarva, Tarvalon is north, and it would be it's a prime area for the um, right the Trollocs and the Dreadlords to attack. Yeah, I mean, they did attack it, though. I think they did attack yeah, it. Yeah, but maybe they, they just passed it by, maybe, but... Maybe they, you know, <clears throat> attacked it. Maybe know? he called it off <laughs> to... You know, he didn't send such yeah. a, a strong force as he would have, you know, because he was, knew he was going to have his people infiltrating it and sowing I seeds. Am, I am all in on this, Jen. <laughs> yeah, I like this. We have to find some evidence for this now. I have all the evidence <laughs> To the I notes! Need. No. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so how oh, yeah so that's good yeah i i like that idea i never even that didn't even cross my mind because we don't really have like a direct when ishamel came back did he start the black aja well we know there is bad Aes Sedai that exists and bad female channel evil female channelers that serve the shadow before ishamel returns all through the you know all throughout this yeah. time there they exist but you're right do they have any influence you know he comes back he kind of uh let's say incorporates them <laughs> for lack of a better term and now are they are they already influencing the white tower at this point and are they part of the influence going on because now the during the trolloc wars the armies are led by dreadlords which are female Aes Sedai or fem- former female Aes- former Aes Sedai or you know renegade Aes Sedai however you want to say it mm-hmm. so now are they not yeah that's a good point are they not attacking the white tower or are they just making you know a show of it because there, there are a lot of black Aja and already infiltrated into the tower. Hmm. I'm all in. This is, to me, this is this is this is good. We come through a breakthrough in this episode. <laughs> and I feel like this is a good spot to like put a pin in it. We could put a pin in it right here. We can think it over. So let's, uh, yeah, let's ask our uh, listeners. You know, on hit us up on social media. Post your thoughts. Did the Trollocs and the Trolloc Wars not attack or? send a strong force against the White Tower because of the Black Ajah forming and the Black Ajah were kind of behind that. Interesting. I want to hear everybody's thoughts on that. So, all right. Good history lesson, Tom. Good history lesson, Jen. <laughs> yeah. Good history lesson. Good history lesson, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Was the, uh, was the compact of the Ten Nations better than uh, learning about the New Deal? Or yes. The, um, Absolutely. Yeah. It was or definitely Manifest better than, Destiny? It was definitely better than the Square Deal. Yeah, definitely better than the square deal. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right. So. <laughs> oh, wait. Patrons. Jen, do we have yes. any new patrons? Yes, we do, Joe. As a matter of fact, I just pulled up their names. Would you like me All to right, read so them? All right. So go ahead. Okay. Let's, let's, we have, uh, let's uh, shout out our new patrons. We have two new patrons this week joining the company of Chelvanen. That would Ooh. be Stephen Rawls and David Garin. So thank you very much for joining us and for your support. Thank you, thank you both of you. We appreciate your support and everyone else who supported who's already supported us. So yeah, just to you know, I guess reiterate that part. We do we did start a Patreon, so check that out. If everybody who uh, 
is interested. There's some cool benefits that we've thrown up there. So, you know, at least check it out. We ask you to do that. If you want to donate, support us. That's cool. If you don't, you know, that's fine. Also, you can always support us by, you know, rating or review us wherever you listen to podcasts, you know, sharing us on social media, telling your friends about us. You know, that's the real, that's the real, the real support right there. <laughs> the great, the great support is that sharing us. So, so just a couple of other announcements. So next week, uh, the Twatcast has put together – I love saying that. Sorry. <laughs> so Twatcast has putting together a charity podcast-a-thon for a anti-bullying – anti-cyberbullying uh, organization called CyberSmile. So the idea is what's going to happen is starting on Friday, July 24th at 8 p.m., Twatcast is going to start this thing off. There's going to be – we're going to basically going to be streaming for 24 hours on YouTube. And there's a ton of podcasts on YouTube, uh, Wheel of Time content creators participating in this. And we're just going to be going 24 hours straight. So it's going to jump from one to the next. Like I said, Twatcast is starting it off. I think the White Tower pod is on after that. Uh, Wheel Weaves and so on and so on. There's a lot of great podcasts and YouTube content creators are going to be participating in this. It's all for a great cause to raise money. So we're hoping, uh, I think the goal that they set out was to raise $5,000. And I think there's talks. I've heard talks of uh, Harriet and Maria and Alan possibly showing up at some point, though we don't know any of that for sure yet. Nothing set in stone with that. But we will be on at 8.30 in the morning Eastern time on the 25th. So for those of you on the East Coast or over in some other countries who are actually awake at that time, <laughs> you know, wake up to some nice talk around Riyadh at 8.30 in the morning on YouTube. We're going to be posting some more details about it. They made up some great flyers and, the, and we'll post the whole... Um, I, what do they call it? Oh, God, lineup. it's been a long time. The, the whole lineup, the the band lineup, we'll post that all there so you can see everybody who's going to be on and what times they're going to be on. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Just to be clear, does that mean we're not recording Friday night? We normally That's would. right. We will yeah. not be recording on a Friday night for you live listeners. But what's good is, though, is that everyone can watch watch us on Saturday morning at 830 live. So just come on YouTube and hang out with us there. We have to come up with something good to talk about. I know. I don't think people want to hear a history lesson for that no. one. So no, I've. Um, <laughs> I guess my idea is we could come to an conclusion and pivot it over the course of the week. But I think we should do something really fun, right? Uh, oh yeah, we're definitely going to try to do something fun. So I like this one. This one, <laughs> not fun. A real fun. <laughs> real, the real matter fun. Everybody. Will also be fun. This was. <laughs> <laughs> we phoned this one in. Phoned it right in. Yeah, this will be uh, eleven on the funometer. Oh okay. <laughs> Also coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, Jen and I are going to be on the Wheel Reads podcast with Alan Ian and Chris. Um, you know, as we get closer, we'll give you more information on that and let you know when that's going to happen. Also, check out Tom on Audio Dungeon on Wednesdays at 830 on Facebook, YouTube or Twitch. Mm -hmm. um, you guys know about that. It's an awesome show. Go check it out. And then I mentioned before, rate and review us wherever you can. Follow us on social media. We love to hear your feedback. We love to talk to you. Join us on our Discord server and have fun chatting with us on here too as well. So uh, did I miss anything? Anybody have any last uh, any last things they want to mention? No, I think I'm good. Right. Tom, how are you doing over there? Did I miss anything? <laughs> you, uh, got anything you got anything exciting coming up, Tom, that you want to share with everybody? No, I'm very excited that baseball is going to try and start this week. That's about it. That's right. Yankees, Yankees Nationals on Thursday. That's right. We got our fantasy draft on Tuesday, Tom. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's uh, very important for everyone here to know that we have our fantasy draft on Tuesday. Go Mets. That's right. 
Well, let's go Yankees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Two out of three Tokaron Riyads. Let's go Yankees. <laughs> that could be maybe that could be our bonus content for the month of August, Tom. Uh, we can record our draft, and that that'll be the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to do the calendar episode. we'll let the fans decide do you want to hear a calendar episode or a fantasy baseball draft (laughs) which is more exciting to everybody oh boy i'm sure it's neither so (laughs) thanks everyone for listening you'll hear us next time